Thank you, brother. Appreciate it. Yeah, mom's got a picture. I mean, I don't know how old I am, seven, eight, nine years old, something like that. And uh, on it, she wrote, my preacher boy. Well, I wasn't any preacher boy back then, I can tell you that. But praise the Lord for his goodness. Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. I thought we would try to look, get into chapter 20. I'm not sure we'll make it that far, but we'll try to follow the Lord's spirit and, and bring the message the Lord would have us to. When you get to this point in the revelation, everything's over. I mean, the, the tribulation's over. Uh, the rapture took place seven years before that. Uh, we're here at the point to where the battle of Armageddon's about to take place. When we had the war with uh, Saddam Hussein, when he invaded Kuwait, my phone rang almost incessantly, people saying, is this the end of the world? Is this the battle of Armageddon? And I kept telling them, no, it's not. But I said, if, if it is, you ought to get right with God. I was trying to tell people to get saved. But this, this is the record of the battle of Armageddon here in the scriptures. Now, the church has not appeared in the book of Revelation from chapter 6 all the way through chapter 18. You have the false religious system the great harlot, the, the Bible calls it. I believe it'll be a, a, a conglomeration of things that attach themselves to the Roman Catholic Church. Uh, that's the great harlot. They've shed more Christian blood than probably anybody else has. And so we have that political system is destroyed in 18, the religious system in chapter 17. And so in the first part of chapter 19, he's, he's talking about the great whore's been destroyed. And that's plain words, but you got to understand, a system that's sending people to hell, we shouldn't talk nice about it. We don't have to use sweet, uh, soft terms to do so. So in verse 11, And I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. That would let him out of the the philosophy of the liberals, they think Jesus is supposed to be some little soft, sweet type of a guy. And, and uh, no one ever loved me like Jesus, but no one's ever corrected me like Jesus either. And so here he's, he's in righteousness, he does judge and make wars. Eyes were as a flame of fire, and on his head were many crowns. Now that doesn't mean gold, metal, metallic crowns. Some of them may have been uh, out of vegetation. That was very common, but Regardless, there's multiple crowns upon his head. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. Isn't that interesting? A name for, for Christ that none of us know. And he was clothed with a vesture dipped in blood, and his name is called the Word of God. By the way, this lines up with Isaiah chapter 63, if you're interested in looking at it. And the armies which were in heaven followed him upon white horses, clothed in fine linen, white and clean. And out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that with it he should smite the nations. And he shall rule them with a rod of iron, and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of Almighty God. That's exactly what's happening. The armies of the Antichrist and the armies of the kings of the east have met in Megiddo, and they're about to do battle with each other. At just that point, King Jesus comes back. And when he splits the skies and comes back, they, instead of joining battle with each other, are going to turn and try to do battle with him. Can I drive down a little peg for all of us? It's a losing proposition to fight with God. 
you, you will never win fighting with him. You say, well, I'll have my own way. You'll have his punishment for going your own way is what you'll have. And so in, in verse number 16, and he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written King of Kings and Lord of Lords. I love to read that, don't you? All big letters. I feel like I ought to shout it. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And I saw an angel standing in the sun, and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of the heaven, Come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. Now we have the marriage supper of the Lamb, and then the supper, the great supper of God. The marriage supper of the Lamb is a joyous event. This is a judgment event. This is a horrible situation. Verse 18, that you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men and the flesh of horses and of them that sit on them and of the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. That's Armageddon. And I saw the beast and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse and against his army. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him with which he deceived them uh, that had received the mark of the beast, them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire, burning with brimstone. And the remnant were slain with the sword of him that sat upon the horse, which sword proceeded out of his mouth, and all the fowls were filled with their flesh. Now, the idea here is the word of God. That's That's the sword that comes out of his mouth. And so he speaks and in judgment and they are laid low. The Bible tells us in other places that the blood ran up to the horse's bridles for the space of about 160 miles. That's a lot of blood. When you talk about hundreds of millions of people fighting, 200 million from the kings of the east, we don't know how many the Antichrist will muster. The Bible doesn't uh, give us all of those uh, details. But this is the battle of Armageddon. Now, what happens at this point? Satan has been defeated. He's been conquered. A righteousness has won. Now, but this is not yet the final end. There's going to be something else that takes place, and that's in chapter 20, and I'll take just a few minutes to give you an outline, kind of an overview, and and we'll be done. Uh, You might want to note the word or the terminology, I saw, in chapter number 20. Uh, You find it in verse 1, you find it in verse 4, twice, by the way. Uh, You find it uh, in chapter 11 and verse 12, find it in chapter 21, verse 1 and 2. This, I saw, is important. So I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. Now, I believe that this angel or angelic being is Christ. Uh, That's my personal opinion. If you differ with me, it's all right. We won't fight over it. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him, what? A thousand years. This is what we call the millennial reign of Christ. Now, our millennialists teach that Satan was bound when Jesus died on the cross and that we're already living in that, that period of time that we're reading about here in Revelation 20. Well, if that rascal isn't loose, I'd sure hate to see what happened if he was loose. And so uh, this, we need to take this very literally. A thousand years, that Satan is bound, thrown into hell, best I can tell, the bottomless pit. It would be nothing other than hell. 
And the verse number three, it said, cast him in that bottomless pit, set a seal upon him, that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. And after that, he must be loosed a little season. Have you ever wondered why Satan has to be loosed? Ever pondered that? If you will go through human history, you will find that, that God gave us multiple opportunities to do right. We're in the Garden of Eden, a perfect environment, nothing negative in any shape, form, or fashion. And yet Mrs. Adam partook of the fruit, and when she did, her husband, I think, seeing that she had done so and was under the curse of death, that she, he did so as well. We find that, that human conscience didn't work. Abel and Cain. Cain slew Abel and God said, uh, hey, Cain, where, where's your brother Abel? I don't know, God. Am I supposed to keep up with him for you? I mean, that's basically what he said. And the Lord said his blood cries out. Human conscience didn't work. He wasn't the least bit ashamed that he'd killed his brother. Uh, human government didn't work. What happened when we had human government? Everybody got together and said, we'll build a tower up to heaven and what they were trying to do is replace the authority of God in heaven. They were going to put the sign of the astrology all the way around that. By the way, if you read the astrology charts, shame on you. You give up on that. That's vile and ungodly. It's, it's devilish and you ought to stay away from it. And so they, they did that and God came down and what? Confounded their language. Along comes a fellow by the name of Abram. And God said, I want you to leave where you are and head over to a land that I'll show you. And eventually he changed his name to Abraham and said, I'll bless him that bless thee and curse him that curseth thee. And these shall all families of the earth be blessed. But we failed at that too. Then God said, I'll give you all the rules through a man by the name of Moses. And you'll know exactly what you're supposed to do. You won't have any questions about it. And so the law comes along and what happens? We couldn't keep it either. We couldn't fill that out. God said, I'll send my son to die in your place. And so he sent his son and he said, Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And yet untold millions of people will reject and refuse to call on Jesus Christ in simple faith and trust him. We failed at everything as humans. We have failed it. Without God, we couldn't stand on our own. It just wouldn't happen. The only reason you and I are here tonight is the grace of God. That's what's enabled us. Well, there's going to be a tribulation period. And even during that tribulation period, people are, who see him on his throne will refuse to repent of their sorceries and their fornications. And on down the line, the Bible says, failure. Well, once again, God's going to have a perfect environment called the millennial reign of Christ. He's going to sit on that throne for a thousand years. There'll be no infant death during the millennium. Some of y'all have had to bury babies. Some of y'all may have had to bury a young child. Some of y'all have had to bury uh, children who uh, died in the womb. We call them miscarriages. And really the biblical or the correct terms, abortion. But abortion's become the term that they used for aborticide in our day. And so the child never saw birth. There'll be no infant death in heaven I mean, during the millennial reign. What a time that'll be. 
we'll have instant answers to prayer. Instant answers to prayer during the millennial reign of Christ. Uh, animal creation will be totally tamed. You know, right now, the only thing that ever bothers me about going fishing is water moccasins. Just want to make sure that when we flip that boat over, there ain't one there. Other than that, I'm okay. But venomous snakes bite people, and some people die. Thousands die in India and over in Asia where you have cobras and those types of snakes, black mambas. You know black mambas can run faster than you can? And once they get aggravated, they'll chase you. And they're awful venomous snakes. The animal creation will be totally tamed. If you want to go over and pet a rattlesnake, you can pick one up and rub on him all you want to. If you want to lay down with a tiger and tickle its ears, you'll be able to do that. Lions will eat straw like an ox, the Bible says, during the millennial reign of Christ. And Jesus is going to rule the rod of iron. There'll be no sin allowed. No woman will ever have to fear being raped during the millennial reign of Christ. And no young person will have to fret over being sex trafficked, captured and dragged away as, as these vile people do, do so today. By the way, I'd vote for the death penalty for sex traffickers in a heartbeat. If you're buying and selling people, you're a perverted individual and we need to get rid of you, put you back in the hands of God. That's, those are some of the traits of the millennial reign of Christ. Satan's bound for a thousand years. Perfect environment. King Jesus is ruling and reigning. And he said in verse 4, I saw thrones and they that sat upon them and judgment was given unto them. And I saw the souls of them that were beheaded for the witness of Jesus and for the word of God which had not worshipped the beast, neither his image, neither had received his mark on their foreheads or in their hands. And uh, they lived and reigned with Christ a thousand years. But the rest of the dead lived not again till the thousand years were finished. As for the wicked, the first resurrection is what we're going out in. I watched my mom die. You know, and I've, mom's not the only person I've had to watch die through the years. But mom's special. You know, I watched my daddy pass away. And uh, I'm CPR certified, wasn't interested in trying to revive daddy. Leaving what he was in to go to heaven was such an exchange that I've, I was actually almost euphoric when daddy passed away. As mom died, I thought about the same thing. Here she's had to lay all this time and she's about to slip away a bit in the presence of God. To leave what we have here, to step into his presence, to step in the glories of heaven, what, a, what an exchange. Men ought to give anything they've got for that, but you can't buy it. It's a gift. Well, verse 6, Blessed holy is he that hath part in the first resurrection. That's us. On such the second death hath no power. As you watch death overtake someone, you, in the presence of those who are living around them, you, you recognize the frailty of life. And boy, the promises of God become precious 
and real. On such the second death hath no power, but they shall be priests of God and of Christ and shall reign with him a thousand years. I wished I had time to expand on that, but we don't. When the thousand years are expired, Satan shall be loosed out of his prison. Why? To test men one more time. There's been people born during the millennium. Uh, there'll be people, I believe, who will go straight from the tribulation into the millennial reign of Christ in their normal physical body. And he's going to go out and do what he always does. He's going to deceive the nations. That's what the devil does. He's in the deception business. Look in chapter 19 and verse 20. He deceived them that had received the mark of the beast. We see it here in, in, in our text of scripture that he's going to go out and deceive the nations. Verse 10, and the devil that deceived them. That's his business. So during this millennial reign of Christ, everyone will be kept in line, kept in check. There'll be no rebellions, nothing tolerated, ruled with a rod of iron. You, you've had people and heard them say, if I could just see him, if I could just do this, if I could have, see God do that, I'd believe. They will see it for a thousand years. And as soon as the devils turn loose, they follow him. The failure of man in his natural estate. Look what it says right here in verse number 8. And he shall go out to deceive the nations that are in the four quarters of the earth. It's not going to just be a handful Gog and Magog to gather them together to battle, the number of whom is as the sand of the sea. And they went up on the breadth of the earth and compassed the camp of the saints about in the beloved city. And fire came down from God out of heaven and devoured them. A vast multitude of people who seen him in person are still going to follow the devil. The devil's in the deceiving business. I wonder what deception these folks are going to believe. What kind of lie will they, will they accept in the place of what they have seen with their own eyes? And even lost people, wicked people, will live at least uh, to be 100 years old, if I've read the scripture right, in, about the millennial reign of Christ. And yet as soon as Satan is released, and God lets him out just for one purpose, to show that God was always right and the devil was always wrong and men left to themselves will never find God on their own. Verse 10, And the devil that deceived them was cast the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast of the false prophet are shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. And then we get the section here, the great white throne where people are judged for their works. You have the you have the setting, verse 11 and 12. Verse 13, you have the summons. The sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which are in them. And then verses 14 and 15, you have the sentence of the great white throne. Well, it doesn't make us too proud of ourselves, does it? Of humanity. Brother Jeff mentioned a while ago, we were just like Saul. We had scales on our eyes, spiritual scales. Oh, how often we have failed him. 
How often have we been deceived by this wicked one and how often has our own nature deceived us? It's only by grace that we're going to heaven. I don't know how soon the rapture is going to take place. Nobody else does either. But I'm here to tell you it could happen tonight. In a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, the trumpet shall sound, the dead shall be raised, what? Incorruptible. That's what the Bible says. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep, that you sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord. And he goes on, he talks about the voice of the archangel and the trump of God. And we're going up. We're not going down, we're going up. You know what we're going to do on the way up? We're going to see each other. We're going to see our loved ones. I think the main focus is going to be Jesus. And, and it, you know, I just don't know where and how we'll fit in our loved ones, but we'll have plenty of time to do it. I'm thankful that though I was deceived, Jesus set me free. Ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. The sun shall set you free. Ye shall be free indeed. Heads are bowed, eyes are closed. Thank you, Lord, for the text of Scripture. We haven't spent long in it, but Lord, what a telling story it is of the human depravity, the natural depravity of man that we just reject you. God, help us to do what we can to help others get the scales off their eyes. Thank you for this couple, Brother Wade, led to Christ. Father, help all of us to be engaging ourselves in the mighty work of winning souls to Christ. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. What number you got, brother?